Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. You guys can open up to Matthew 4. We'll be there in a sec here. All right. So we're, we're talking about the idea of identity. And that's, that's what we're talking about for the next four weeks. It's, it's really, it's an interesting series. It's a really fun series because there's, you know, by the third week, we're actually, it's, it's Easter. And so we're going to still cover this, this whole thing of identity during that, but you, you guys would understand, uh, I also want to make one note. So there's, uh, there was, um, for a lot of the, the young people, there's like note sheets basically that you can kind of follow along and, uh, let me know guys if that stuff works or if you feel like it wasn't super, uh, helpful. I, this is our first time doing it. So I really want to make it as easy for you guys to follow along as possible. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll make it available for everybody else too. So you guys will have an easier time following along. Uh, we're talking though this this whole month the the series is on our identity in Christ. Man. And you would you would understand this this truth though is that our perspective shapes our behavior. Yeah. Our perspective it shapes our behavior. How you look at something it affects how you operate uh, in the, in that certain context. And and right. today we're going to talk about deceived identity. Yeah. But this is it's a, it's something that that makes sense to all of us. You know, if you think about the church and if you think about it as a restaurant, well then we, we get upset when we don't get what we ordered, right? Or we, we need to order something different. And right. even the idea of going to church and ordering something, if, if, but if we're viewing the church as a restaurant, then that would, that would shape our behavior. Right, sure. If we view the, the church and, and come in here as a movie, then, then we're coming to be entertained, right? There better be some amazing worship. There ought to be some really good preaching. I ought to feel connected and included. And if that's why we're going to, to church, then it's going to shape our behavior. Sure, yeah. Think about if we view it as a, a temple, now we're, we're starting to, to get you know, to better spots, and then this is the place that I can connect with God. This is the spot that I go that is holier than any other place that I'm going to in an effort to connect with God. And then certainly I try to live my life, but I, I can never achieve what, I, what I'm going to this Sunday. This is a once a week opportunity. Right. Okay. Or, or we could view it as a field. And if you view it like a field, then you would think of the work that's involved to, to make all of this, this possible. You, I'm going into the field and I know there's going to be work as I, as I go into it. All of these things though, if, Man. if, your perspective is one of these, then it shapes your behavior afterwards. But you, you think about that for yourself. And you know that's true for yourself, though, as well. You think, how do you feel when you walk into a room and maybe you've not felt it, but you know I'm the smartest one here. I, I've heard what a few people said, and I just know I'm smarter than these guys, you know? That, that changes how you'd operate. What, what about when you walk into a room and you're totally underdressed, I don't know if that's happened to you. Maybe you go to a wedding or you, you just missed the memo and you show up in sweatpants and, and you feel pretty insecure in it, but it changes how, how you, you yeah. operate in that context. Yeah. 
If you're the youngest person in the room, it changes how you operate. If you're the oldest, it changes how you operate. Yeah. And, and if, you've, if you've done sports or you've played, you know when you walk in and you're the best one there, you know that means something. And when you walk in and you know, I am, I'm the worst one here. You've seen them playing. You just know, I just don't want to be the worst. I just don't want to get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? When, I, when I'm going in, I just know. Or, or when you're the best, you're like, this is not too much fun. But however you figure, though, what you think about yourself, it, it impacts your behavior. Yeah. And so it's, it's been said uh, that really there, there are three lies that we ought to, that we really have to sit with and overcome in life. The first is lies that the world, or three categories of lies. The first is lies that the world tells you. We got to overcome that. So what does the world say? Well, you guys can fill in the blank. You know it. You live in the world as well. But winning the approval of others, that's the ultimate sign of success. And that was just, just one of them. That, that that's a lie the world tells you. Another lie, the world, or then, then the second one is a lies that you tell the world. I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't need help. I'm going to figure it out. I'm on this path. I did it on purpose. Then there's, then there's lies, though, that, that, that you tell yourself, though, right? Conscience is stricken. Something comes up. And you, you tell yourself, well, it's not that bad I, in, in, in relation to this or to that. Or I'm going to stop. And so it's okay. What we're going to do, though, we're going to look at Jesus in, in regards to our identity and how he battled uh, Satan trying to attack his identity. Wow. Yeah. You, guys, you guys can open up. We're in Matthew 4. The main takeaway is that the only way to fight the lies and deception vying for our identity is with God's truth. Amen. That's the only way that we are going to attack and fight Satan's lies. Amen. We're in Matthew 4. We, we finished up... A, I think it was, gosh, it was in the beginning of March we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually stuff that happens right before that, though. Uh, this is Jesus being tested in the wilderness. We're going to pick up in Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus fasted for 40 nights, and I've not done that. I, I, if you guys have, I, I mean, we're clapping. That, that's what, what people understood kind of is what we know now is about the, the far end of how, how long you can survive without, without food and with just water. That That... We understand that's about that's about as much that if you if you take any more time you'd you'd be in a spot where you'd you'd perish, but you can you can go about forty days and um, Jesus is forty days he's fasted that entire time and what does it say it says he was hungry that makes sense you'd you'd be you'd be hungry as well it is a pretty big understatement and so you'd ask though why did why did Jesus uh, why why did he go and why why did he allow himself to be tempted. And what we shouldn't say is Jesus went, was tempted so that he could grow. I don't think that's the, the, the right spot and the right sphere. He wasn't tempted so he could grow stronger. No, he was tempted so he could relate to you and I. Amen. So as we're reading this, just put it in that frame this whole time that he's being tempted so that he can say, I've, I've done it and I've overcome, and so you can as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He, another, another reality, Jesus is God. He doesn't, he doesn't actually have to eat. Okay, God, I, I, maybe he does in heaven. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll be able to eat food with him. Maybe he'll eat too. He doesn't have to, though. Yeah. 
Yeah. He, he made all of this, and so he does not have to physically eat food in order to be, to be nourished. He doesn't have to go somewhere. He doesn't even have to just turn it to bread. He could have made the most amazing food. And so really read this now when we decide to fast, even for a day or a couple days at a time. You see food, you can, but you can remove yourself from food, right? I, you can be a little bit thoughtful, and there's always free donuts whenever you fast, yeah. right? In the morning, there's, it's somehow, every time I'm on campus and I'm fasting, I just, there's somebody giving away free food, or somebody, you know, there's insomnia cookies, and they're just passing out, who wants one? Or there's a red, the Red Bull car would always come to uh, Marquette, and I, and I just knew Whenever I was fasting, the Red Bull car would be right there, so I'd take it and put it in my pocket for later. You know what I'm saying? But, I, 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 but you, you understand, though, that we, can, we try to remove ourselves from food when we're fasting. That makes sense. Jesus couldn't remove himself from, from just snapping his fingers and, and having food appear, right? He turned from, from five loaves and, and two fish, he, he fed 5,000. He didn't, he didn't really need uh, any, any, you know, just to turn something into bread. And so it'd be like you and I fasting, for 40 days, but you think of the best food you could possibly eat, the most amazing buffet, that's all, and that's, that's what Jesus did every single day, every single hour, as he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He made water into wine, too. He, does, he just doesn't, he, he can make more than just bread, is, is what I mean to say. And So, so what's the, the point, then, of, of this, this temptation, is that what, what happens when you fast, right? You're, you're starving, you're empty, and you're hurting. And that's just that's, that's just the truth. You're, you're starving, you're exhausted, you want some food, you're, you're empty of, of food, and you're, you're hurting. That's what's going on with Jesus right now. And the, the, the reality is the same is true for you and I, though. Because human beings, not just you, but everybody, we're starved. We're starved for attention, we're starved for friendships, and we have this desire. And we're, we're, we're empty from... The realization of the, the depth of our sin, the, the depth of sin in this world, of the shame and the guilt. And we're hurting. We're hurting emotionally and we're hurting spiritually. And you can fill in the blank. And so this, this morning, I think Satan's talking to us. And he's reminding us of these things. He's saying, you're a child of God. And so you, you ought to have a little bit more than you have right now. That's what he's telling Jesus. Hey, you're, wow. you're a child of God. You're the son of God. You ought to have, you ought to, you ought to have these things. And for us, though, he prompts us to question our identity. If you're a child of God, then why don't you have a boyfriend? If you're a child of God, why didn't you get that job then? You're a child of God. He loves you, doesn't he? If, you're, if you are a child of God, why is, why is your marriage so hard? You're, you're a child of God, married to another child of God. Why, why is it even difficult at all? If you're a child of God, why, why does it seem like everything's going wrong? Whenever you're trying hard and you just can't try hard enough. Mm-hmm. Satan's asking the starving Jesus, if, if you're the son of God, then, then make bread. You know, there, there's this, this truth. This is a really a cool word. It's called, uh, there's been this rise really of the idea of a, of a demagogue. And so um, I didn't understand this word before looking, looking at it a little bit, but it's defined as anyone who gains popularity by arousing the emotions, passions, and prejudices of the people. We, I think we see this all the time, though. But in, in the last few years specifically, you look at politics, and, and it's, it's polarizing. You look at social media, it's extremely polarizing. And people are playing to one of two things, either our pleasure or our pain. 
you, you see it though. There's salesmen, the preachers, there's uh, anyone on social media, they're, they're, they're communicating something to us. They're appealing to our pleasure, so they're showing what looks like the most fun, the scantily clad women on this you know, resort island, and they're saying, you can be just like me if. Or, or they're playing to your, to your pain, these, these demagogues that, oh, it's, it, don't you feel hurt? Didn't this person hurt you? Didn't the church, the church is messed up. Didn't, oh, they, they don't understand you. And fill in the blank. That, that This has been what's, what's going on, though. This is, I mean, Satan's the, the perfect one at, at, at this, though. You know, we'd understand the idea of, of pleasure and pain and playing to the lowest common denominator. The, the truth is, if you receive a little bit of pleasure, let's say you miss work one day, right? And you're like, oh, I was just fun. Or you watch one show on Netflix, just one show on Netflix, because you earned it. What happens the next night is you're not watching just one show on Netflix. You might watch two shows on Netflix because you earned that one, too. And you've already worked in your schedule to fit one in, so what's two, right? And you guys know where this is going, right? You, you end up finishing a whole series in, in a, a matter of days, and this is, this is what it looks like. Once you receive just a little bit of pleasure, just that little bit's not enough. You need more. Same thing is true about pain, is that if you don't run towards the pain, if you, if you remove yourself from pain, what happens is your, your tolerance lowers as well, that any little bit of pain, I feel, uh, I, I feel a little bit uh, weaker right away. Satan's appealing to these motivations, though Jesus is saying man does not live on bread alone. Jesus is saying there's more to life than, than, than what we our, our every inclination, what we just want. And so what, what are these higher motivations then? Well, joy, gratitude, purpose, love, inspiration. You can fill in the blank. Satan wants you, he wants me to be defined by our pleasures and our pain and Jesus is offering a purpose. To realize our identity is to be motivated by more than what's going on physically. Amen. So let's keep reading here. Come on, Jared, we're with you, bro. It's in, it's in Matthew five or Matthew 4 again. And it says in, in verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple if you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It's also written. Do not put the Lord, your God to the test. Amen. So Satan in his theology is not awesome. He notices Jesus is using a, a scripture and he says, I've got a few as well here. I'm ready for you. And he shares it, and in some ways his theology is jacked. This is not what the scripture is talking about. It's not a messianic uh, psalm, I believe, is, is where it's from. It's, it's not a messianic one. But in other ways, you'd, you'd realize that Satan understood something that I, I think maybe we have a difficult time, is that the whole Bible is pointing to Jesus. And so he's saying the whole Bible is pointing to you, so, so just do it then. This highest point would have been, from what I understand, about 100 or 200 feet in the air, and maybe 200 feet in, in the air that you would just jump down. And he's saying, you can, you can do it. And this was the challenge. And Jesus says, don't put the Lord, or don't put, don't put God to the test. And he, he really orders the relationship. And, and you'd think about this, this, our identity then, if we say, well, we're not going to be motivated by the physical, then we ought to understand the order of our relationship to God. 
we're teaching uh, my daughter, and she's, she's learning, she's getting there, but we're teaching her how to ask in full sentences. So for a while, whenever she wanted something, you guys get it. You point for a while. Then afterwards, you figure out, okay, please, right? This is please? Yeah, right? Okay, in sign language, please, I think, yeah. Um, okay, please. Then after a while, you can say the word please. And so you're pointing and saying please. Now we're saying, Jordan, ask in a full sentence. And so she'll ask for the, the puffs, please. Or she'll ask for the chips, please. Or she'll ask to watch a show, please. And what now we're teaching her is that just because you ask politely doesn't mean we, we're going to say yes. <laughs> and and there's, been, there's been more than a few times... I said, please, is what she, I said, please. But what we say, we, we, we tell her, you know what, just because, you can say everything perfect, just because you say it does not mean we're going to listen to you, though. We're, you're not the boss of us, or, yeah, you're not the boss of us, we're, we're actually the boss of you. And she, and she knows the word obey, okay, so she said, daddy, no, obey, daddy, no, obey. And, and we just tell her, Daddy doesn't have to obey you. There's an, there's an order to the relationship, though. We're, we're children of God. God. God loves us perfectly. He gives us everything. He's only going to give us the best, but, but he, doesn't, he doesn't obey us. Why, why would he obey us? We don't want him to obey us, actually. That's right. And so, so to understand our identities, to understand that we are under God. It's not the other way around. Just because it's a perfect relationship or just because we're striving to make it a perfect relationship doesn't mean it's, it's, it's equal back and forth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll keep reading here. It's Matthew 4. And in verse 8, it says, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. The devil takes him to this high mountain. And and this, this had to, we don't understand if it was, you know, we don't, we don't know if it was, way, way, way high, but some, or just this amazing vision to see all of the splendor of the kingdoms and say, you can rule over this if you just bow down. And for you and I, that's a, that's a horrible thing for us to rule this whole world, isn't it? You don't have to go very far to realize. But why is it a bad thing for Jesus to do that? If he is perfect, then he would be a perfect ruler of it all, would he not? If he really hasn't made any mistake, then, then, then we'd That'd be awesome that he's, he's, where, he's fully in charge. So for you and I, it's a, it's a bad thing. For Jesus, right away, we ought to, we ought to realize he's perfect. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But, but Satan's saying, will you accept this? Uh, will you accept the throne without first accepting the thorns that, that are going to lead you to the cross? Will you, will you accept this throne then without first going through uh, the crucifixion on the cross and then raising raising again. Jesus has that opportunity and he thinks about you and me as he's going through it. Certainly he's already lived at least 30 years on this earth. He's done a world of good up, up until this point, right? He has never sinned. He's certainly given so much to so many people. 
he hasn't fully performed miracles in the in the truest sense, but he's been he's been a model citizen. He is exactly he'd be our, the guy that we want around everywhere all the time. I, it it would have been okay. It, it would have made sense for him to say, "I've done so much, and so I'm I'm just fine. I, I've I've given these people enough, and I've already seen they're they're jacked. So I might as well just do it." And it, it says that Satan showed Jesus the splendor of the world. Splendor this is something that's brilliant. It's gorgeous in appearance. It's to have grandeur and glory. You think about what what is splendor in in your life and the physical thing that you've seen. I, I think there's been there's been more than a few, but I remember going to I got an opportunity actually it's already 10 years ago now to go to uh to Budapest, Hungary for for a couple of months. And it's it's gorgeous. There's two cities that are connected. They're separated by a river. I think the Danube River. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but I, I think it is. Um, but they're separated by, I think, seven or eight bridges. And these are like beautiful, ornate bridges. Some of them have lions on them, and they're, they're high up. And you, you look, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. So you go to the, the highest part of the city, and there's spots when, or it's right outside of the city where you look, and you can see all of these X amount of million people that and you see just a little bit of, about them, or you see these amazing statues. This is, uh, in, my, in my vision, just a little bit. It, I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's the splendor of, of Budapest. It's, it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful. And being your, you guys ever went anywhere up high, there's almost an out-of-body experience that occurs, right, that you feel, I, I am so small, but for whatever reason, I feel a little bit powerful. And I, I you know, and, and there's, your mind goes places, pretty quickly and this is Jesus then on whatever the highest and he sees the splendor of everything that's going on but I, I think the devil wants us to look at the splendor of the, the world as well though uh, the devil wants us to look at the, the splendor of the world it's not even necessarily a bad thing right it's it's, it's cool to observe and to admire but there's an intoxication that can occur if we're not careful the devil, Satan, he wants to he wants us to define ourselves and our identity by the things we have. Spouse, girlfriend, job, house, children. That, that's all stuff that if we can put our identity in that, the devil's won. And no one's saying that to, to worship. Satan's not even saying. You you realize here, he, he says, bow to me, but as soon as you do, I'll give you all this. And And that's... He's even a little bit more sinister, I think, at times to us. He doesn't just—he doesn't say bow to me. He says, "Well, just, just let me get. Here's a little bit of it. Here's a little bit of success. Or here's, here's a, an awesome child that that that's in in your presence. Here, here, here you go. Then there's this opportunity, though, to be fully devoted or subservient to sacrifice and honor that thing or that person or that relationship as opposed to God. And if you've done that, then then you're not worshiping God only. Jesus, Jesus says in verse ten. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the issue, what I put before you with religion as a whole, but with you and me and our identity is not that we're not serving God. You're here. Any any issue that comes up is that you're not serving God only. Our, our, Our devotion is divided then. We've, we've fragmented our faith because of our lack of identity and fidelity to God. 
Satan didn't, he didn't even say, right? He didn't say stop worshiping God. He just said to bow down to me as well. And this is, this is what he does for, for you and I. He doesn't say stop worshiping God. He just says, well, still do all, do all your church, read the Bible, fine. But, but also in, invest yourself in, in getting a great job. Invest yourself in, in making a lot of money. Still give to the church. Give money to the church. Fine, good. But, but make sure that, that you climb this corporate ladder. You have to do that. That's what the, de- this, what the devil's telling us, isn't it? That's right. Good stuff, Jay. You know, Proverbs uh, 11.3, it just says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity, by, by duplicating themselves and their interests and their wants. And This is talked about in Proverbs years and years before Jesus, but, it, but it's true. And it's true for Jesus, just as it is true for you and I. You know, the, the, there's only one effective counter to the devil's deception, and that's not man's wisdom. It's, it's leaning in entirely to God's truths. And so we, we open the series talking about our identity in Christ, but we, st- we have to first realize that everything inside of us and every, every morning when we wake up, there's this reality that if we are, our, our default is to be deceived, I should right. say. Is we don't have to go running to, to be deceived. That if you've ever driven on like big, big highways, there's times on highways when you're going, and if you don't get off, you're just going to go the wrong way. When you you want to go on whatever, going to Milwaukee, there's a few, but even going east, especially where if you're driving and you don't make a change, you're you're in trouble. You, right. And that's that's kind of the, the the spot that we're in now, where the 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 exit ramp to our faith is is going straight, is doing nothing, is not moving the wheel. The exit ramp's going, going to go off to a different highway then. In order to get and stay on the right highway, we have to be intentional about moving to the right highway then. Amen. This is this is the the reality that we are living in all of the time. And so this this morning, I want to ask this big question is, is what is competing for your heart's devotion to God? Good question, bro. Good question. Something for you to sit with. This week, and if you can identify that thing, I believe we'll be better on our way, and, and we're going to be taking steps to really understand our true identity in Christ. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. That's the lesson. Pick up your children. Have a great fellowship. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, We'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Come on! Too busy saving souls.